If you have your Bible with you uh, and you're at home, so you should have a Bible with you, go ahead and grab that and turn with me to Genesis 12. That's where we're going to be picking it up here this morning. Uh, We're going to be at Genesis 12 right there at the beginning of 12, and we're just going to be looking at the first nine verses. And so what I want to do is just go ahead and, and read that together. And then, and then honestly just plead with God that he would speak to us through his word. If you want to stand, that's what we normally do. It's not awkward to stand in your own living room, so go ahead and stand up and join with me as we read the word of God. This is Genesis 12, starting in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah, and that, at that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's been said before, and we know it's true, that the grass withers and that the The flower does fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. So I pray that you would overcome whatever awkwardness we have right now. I pray that you would overcome this moment, this this moment in human history that has so much of so much of confusion, so much of awkwardness. And I pray that you would just melt that away, even now. Even for me in this room, would you just melt that away? Because I'm pretty much here by myself right now, but I don't want to feel like that. And so what I pray that as we are gathered in individual homes, as we're gathered across this, across this city, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to genuinely be present together. And that we might feel that in a very real and tangible way. Would you do that for us? We need it. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. For so many of us, uh, this week has been, I don't know, this week has been beyond strange. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. It's been different. It's been difficult. It's been uncomfortable. And even this right here, like what we're doing right now is sort of weird and uncomfortable. So we're just going to, here's what we're going to do. Instead of trying to change everything up and adding a whole nother new thing into your world, we're just going to keep doing what we always do, and we're going to come right back to 
the Bible. We're going to go right into Genesis because that's what we've been doing as a church since the beginning of this year. That's our normal method of preaching as we just go straight through, continuously through books of the Bible. And our plan is to continue that right now and however long this season might last. And up until this point, we've been, we've been taking it about a chapter at a time just stepping together into God's story of creation, of his creation of the heavens, of the earth, and all that are in them. We have been going in big chunks. And so today, I just want to say that it is providential. It's a providential thing that today, um, that today we are jumping into, even in this season of coronavirus and all that, that we were already scheduled to jump into a smaller section before we ever knew anything about the whole concept of social distancing or anything like that. Before, before this week, I thought social distancing was like a skill set you had to have. That meant you got a little free time for yourself. And I was pretty good at it. And so it used to be a gift, but now it's a requirement. Before we knew any of that was coming and we were going to have to be separated, before we knew that God was calling us out of almost everything that we call normal in his plan and purpose for us, we were already planning to be in a passage where God is calling a man out of almost everything that he called normal. You see, that's what we find in Genesis 12. We find this man called Abram. And in verse 1, look back at that with me. I want you to do that. You've got your Bible on your lap. We, this is what we read. That the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your kindred to and your father's house. Now, now stop there for just a second. You see, if we aren't careful, and then we say this a lot, but if we aren't careful, we'll skip through that verse and really we'll, we'll miss the weight of it. But it's important. You see, when God calls Abram to go, I know this is going to seem simple, but when God calls Abram to go, he's also calling Abram to leave. You see, and again, I know that's really simple. I know that's really elementary because you can't go from somewhere unless you leave somewhere. But there's two parts to that. And one of them is that we see God is the one initiating all of that. That this is God's plan. And that's always part of the calling of God, is to leave where we are to go to where he's calling us. And it's not just leaving the trivial things, all right? Look at it again. God says this. He says, go from your country or, or, or land. You might have a translation that says land there. And so that's a calling to actually move from where he is physically. It's a move away from the area that he knows. It's, it's from a place that he knows, away from something familiar, and into something different. Now we need to know that, that God's not saying that the place where Abram is, is a bad place. He's not saying even that it's going to be a bad place. What he's telling Abram is that the place where he is, is not the place where he's meant to be. And that's not a little thing. I mean, many of us, many of us have been called out of places that we loved in order to serve the Lord in the place that he has prepared for us. And then there's more. He says this, look at that. He says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Okay, so God's calling Abram uh, to leave these things. 
This is one of the things John Currid points out in his commentary on this. He says that these things are listed in descending order from the largest to the smallest. We've got sort of, so it starts big with like the geographical area. He's called him to leave his place. And then we've got the culture, right? He's called to leave the culture. That's the kindred part of that verse. He's called to leave the culture, this, to leave his way of life. And then we have him, we have this call to leave even his immediate family. That is his father's house. So this is a comprehensive calling on his life. This is everything that's comfortable. This is everything that is familiar and everything that is safe and secure. And this is what we would say makes up our identity. You see, that's what Abram is being called out of here. He's called out of his comfort. He's called out of his familiar. He's called out of his security. He's being called out to abandon everything that made up his identity and to step or to go into something different. This isn't a small thing here. I know it's one verse, but there's a lot in that verse. Sometimes we get so familiar with a story in the Bible that we forget that these are real people, that they are real people with real lives, with real connections. And so for Abram, the calling of God is to abandon all of the comforts of his established life and to enter into, uh, to step foot into the unknown. At least, okay, at least that's what this message would be if it were only on verse 1. You see, if all we had was verse 1, we would see Abram being called into blind faith. It would be a call to a sort of faith and abstraction, a faith without, without roots, a faith without foundation. But that's why we always take a passage in context. And so look there at verse 2. Look at verse 2. God calls Abram to go. He calls him to leave it all, to leave all that behind. And then God says this. Here's 2. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so there's a, there's a couple of things here, all right? The first is that God starts saying what he, what God is going to do. And the way we see it here in the ESV is it's translated into four of what we might call I will statements, but it's really more like five in the original language. He says this, here's your list. He says, I will make Uh, uh, I will make you a great nation. He says, I will bless you. He says, I will make your name great. He says, I will bless those who bless you. And then he says, I will curse those who dishonor you. You see what God's doing here? He's going, going, remember all that stuff that they were trying to achieve at the Tower of Babel? You remember all of that back in chapter 11, everything that they were reaching for? He's going, yeah, I'm I'm, going to do that for you. I'm going to do that for you, Abram. Listen, to bless, to bless is to show favor. And in this case, when we're talking about blessing, we're talking about the blessing of God, we're talking about divine favor. It's the favor of God. So please don't miss this. The blessing isn't because Abram deserves it. It's not because Abram is so awesome. It's not because Abram, here, here's, here, contextualize this for our situation. 
He's not going to give Abram the blessing because Abram is so uniquely qualified to walk out into the storm of the unknown. Okay, now I'll give it to him. Now, Abram seems to have some stuff going for him, but, he's, but he's in a, he is a 75-year-old man who's essentially still living at home, all right? All right? And we're going to see him. We are going to see him make some mistakes as we continue, as we continue in this story. But what we're seeing here is that God is choosing Abram. God is sovereignly choosing Abram, not because Abram is so great, but because God still has a plan. And his blessing of Abram has a purpose in there. Did you catch that? It's right there at the end of verse 2. This is what he says. He says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that, don't, don't miss that, so that you, you will be a blessing. God's going, I will do this, and I will do this, and this is what you're going to do. God's taking Abram out of everything that he's used to, out of everything that he's comfortable with, not because God's bored, and not because Abram is great. God's taking him out of his old identity in the world so that you, Abram, will be a blessing. You see, that's a purpose statement. God's pulling Abram out, out into the unknown, putting him into the uncomfortable, not just for his good, but also for the good of everyone who's around him. I think that's important. Maybe especially this week. It's a reminder that God never tells us that trouble and tribulation aren't going to come our way if we follow after him. He never says that in this world you will have perfect peace and happiness. He never says that. He never guarantees a life without quarantine or a life without inconvenience or some angst. In fact, if you recall, Jesus promised his disciples that they would have trouble. That's what he said in John 16. He said that in the world you will have tribulation. So listen to me. Jesus did not come to earth He didn't come to earth so that you could escape sickness. He didn't. He didn't come here so that you could avoid being sick in this life. He didn't didn't come to the earth so that you could escape discomfort or inconvenience or times of confusion and doubt and chaos. He didn't come here so you would be able to avoid social distancing. That's not what he came to do. Okay, Jesus said in Luke 19.10, this is what he said, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's what Jesus said. And do you remember who he said that to? I know you're not here to answer, so that's weird to ask a question. But let me just ask the kids. If there are kids watching, because I know that they've heard this story, do you know who Jesus was talking to when he said that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost? Jesus said that to Zacchaeus. He said that to a tax collector. He said that. He said that he came to seek and to save the lost to someone who was lost. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. And then over in John 10.10, he expands on that by saying, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that doesn't mean more stuff. That doesn't mean more comfort. That doesn't mean more convenience. It means that they may be born again in him. That's why Jesus 
came. You see, the abundant life of Christ has far less to do with our current condition and far more to do with our eternal destination. You see, he came to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to call his sheep to himself. He came to purchase your salvation through his atoning sacrifice for, for our sin at the cross. That's the good news for us, by the way. That Jesus gave his life so that we might have life. And what does he call us to? He calls us to faith. He calls us to trust. Not in Abram, that guy's a mess, right? He, he's, and he's not calling us to trust in ourselves. Because if you know me, you know I've been a basket case this week just trying to figure out how to make a video happen. He's calling us to trust in him, even in the mess, even in the chaos, even in the storm. He's calling us to love God and to love others. Remember, Abram wasn't giving all the answers. He didn't walk out into the wilderness with, with everything laid out. That's what Hebrews 11.8 reminds us. It was that by faith, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So Abraham, Abram wasn't given all the answers. But he was given a heading. He was given a direction. That's what faith in Christ is. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Right? That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. And so I want to ask you a question today. I want to ask you, what are you trusting in right now? Like, where is your hope placed today? If you look down toward the end of this passage, you see that Abram does, in fact, go out as he was commanded. And along the way, he stops two times. He stops two times that we see in this passage. The first time is at Shechem, and the second time is a little east of Bethel. And both times that he stops, both times, he builds something. Did you notice that? He builds something. Both times that Abram stops, he builds what he calls an altar to the Lord. You see, an altar, an altar is a place of sacrifice. An altar is a place of worship. And the altars of our lives are all the places that we actually find our identity. It's our jobs. It's our kids. It's the social circles we run in. It's the culture around us in which we find ourselves. It's everything that makes up our identity. All the places that we sacrifice. And it's all our misplaced worship. And so when Abram builds an altar to the Lord, he's declaring his identity in the Lord. Because what else? I'll just ask you, what else is left? You see, when all the things of the earth are stripped away, all the comforts, all the convenience, all the rhythms and all the patterns, all the normal, whatever our normal is, we come to see, like Abram, that all of this is only temporary. That it's all fading. That it all falls short. That it can all be stripped away in just a moment. All the stuff, every single bit of it that we are tempted to believe and are even convinced make up the life abundant can be melted away with just a phone call. All it takes is a virus to disrupt everything that you're used to. So we are being called right now to ask where the altars of our lives have been. 
and to recognize just how quickly they can be broken, just how easily those things can be knocked down. When all our comfort, when all of our convenience, when all of our normal is erased, we're able to see just how quickly our identity can be shaken. Abram felt that. He felt that. He was called out of everything he knew. He felt that loss. And he turned to worship the Lord. He's going, I will build my life. I will build my identity on you, O Lord. What will you do this week? It's a question I've been wrestling with a lot. What will you do with that this season of life? What will you do in this life as a whole? You see, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of all the the going, Jesus says something to us. He says this. He says, come to me. We're called to go. Jesus tells us where the destination is. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, that's, that's where we look. That is where we go. That's where we find ourselves. I'll just want to confess that the burden of the world feels really heavy. And in God's grace, we're set free to turn that burden over to the one who spoke it all into being. Yeah, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are still in control, that you have not abdicated your throne, that you haven't turned from the world and said, let's see what happens, but that you're still there, still holding, still forming, still leading. I pray that you would give us trust. I pray that you would grant us the faith to follow after you. Would you do that for us, Lord? We need that. In Jesus' name, amen.